0: Morning. Oh, there we are.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, burritos are here. Please help yourself. There's, there's plenty, so have two. That's good. Steve is out this morning, but he told me to promise you guys he'll be back next week. His, uh, his wife is working two jobs right now. Bless her heart. She's teaching and she's she's also uh, working with a t-shirt company out of San San Angelo. So um, he's Mister Mom, and uh, he does a good job. But it, it makes it crazy for him in the morning. So we are back after a little ice break, which is good. I hope no one tried to come. Did anybody try to come? It's good to see your dedication. You know, a little ice and you just give up on Jesus. Oh, okay. There you go. There you go. Well, thanks to Ken very much uh, for handling the beheading of John the Baptist and the feeding of the 5,000. It's hard to eat when they cut people's heads off, but we will uh, delve deep into Jesus today. Uh, Just... uh, Hopefully, when this study is done, you'll appreciate uh, there's nobody like Jesus. I mean, of course, we say that because he's God, but there's nobody like Jesus. In a sense, he's always on. He's always teaching. His, his teachings are teachings, his lessons are uh, teachings, his, hey, go, go get me a burrito. It ends up being a lesson. I mean, just, you couldn't be around the guy and not, and not pick up things. And part of the frustration with some of that is, we remember the stories, like walking on water. It's a miracle. It's amazing. But what does it mean? I mean, Wipe the slate clean for a second. If you wanted to prove to the world you were God, what kind of miracle would you do? I mean, you could do anything. Kill a hundred thousand Romans. That would be a miracle. You know, snap your fingers, they're all dead. They would remember you forever. Um, you know, float down from the sky or put the sun out i mean whatever you can dream up, but walking on water i mean yeah, yeah, it's cool, but yeah, what, what what's up with that i mean so anyway'' we'll, we'll we'll delve into that um as always we can't do this by our lonesome, so let's let's pray, gracious Lord. Thank you that we might gather today in friendship and peace and under your tutelage. We know that the lessons have not stopped. Your desire for us to grow into the men that we were meant to be goes on this very day. Father God, we know we have it within our abilities, within our hands, to make this city, this church, this world different. We cannot do it without You. So today we pray that the seeds of Your Word would find deep purchase within us and begin to shape and mold us as we strive to be who we are meant to be. Your disciples in a world that desperately needs You. In Your Son's name we pray. Amen. All right, let's jump into it. We're racing our way through Mark. Uh, Chapter 6, holy moly. Taking our time, but that's alright. So pick up in verse 45. They've, the disciples of Jesus have had a big day. Uh, They fed 5,000 people. I don't care who you are. Be 5,000 people and you're tired. So we pick up verse 45. Immediately, it's important. Immediately after this, Jesus made His disciples get back into the boat and head out across the lake to Bethsaida. So I think we've got a little map. Um, um, there we go. So again, this is Jesus' playground. Um, the Sea of Galilee. Um, Genisret. We'll talk about that. But... Um, Jesus is sending them back to Bethsaida. So this northern area, Capernaum, Chorazin, Bethsaida, to a certain degree, Magdala, all of this northern area is where they do their ministry for the most part. This is Jewish territory, small little villages. Uh is only about a thousand. The rest are smaller. So they were probably over here to the Nazareth side. And Jesus is sending them back to Bethsaida. Now, you've been feeding people all day. What time of day it is? is it? Yeah, it's dark. Do they sail um, the Sea of Galilee at night? Do you guys ever do that? I mean, really go out boating at night? Um, It's not a good idea. I mean, I, I've done it some, you know, fishing and, and stuff like that with a lot of lights. But boating at night is hard. Um, it, it's just, it's bad. And what kind of sea people are the Jews? They're not good. They're not good. They're not mermaids. Uh, they're not water people. Uh, they hold to the shores. And so passing, again, the, the deep part of the lake at night... This is not normal procedure. Uh, Now this should make us remember something. Has Have we had this scenario before? Where Jesus has taken them over the lake at night. Remember, He took them over here. Um, This was the bad part of town. Uh, This is where the the Gentiles, the the demon worshippers live. So He took them through that. And how did that journey go? That, that was a nice little Sunday stroll, wasn't it? Yeah, we had crazy pigs and crazy man, and we just about drowned, and Jesus was asleep in the boat, and it, it was crazy. So you're, in a sense, getting the second half of this. This is the next part. Jesus, had, Jesus said, hey, remember that lesson when we went across? All right, I want to do it again. So again, this is not Jesus. Jesus saying, "Hey, get out of my hair, go home." This is what did you learn last time? The first time he did this, he was in the boat with them. This time he is not. So again, he's he's sort of raising the ante. Now, we we need to talk about ooh, it just just culture and water and, and the way all these things work. On on the surface level, no pun intended, um, what do the Jews think of deep water? It's yeah, it's evil. Absolutely evil. If you want a gateway to hell, um, that's it. If you stare into the deep dark, that's where evil spirits and stuff come up out of the ground. That's um, this is really bad. Did anybody ever play Dungeon and Dragons when you were a kid? I don't know. Yeah, okay. So who is the big bad dragon in Dungeon and Dragons? Does remember Babylonian myth? It's Tiamat. So it's this dragon with multiple heads. I say that only because it's that same word they use in Hebrew. For the deep uh, waters in creation, remember God hovers over the water in Hebrew they say to home uh, it's it 's a version of tiamat, and it was this chaos this this is where the darkness evil comes from. So when Jesus is saying, "Hey at night we 're going to sail across this um, this dark place." Uh, it's it's spooky. It's hard. It's sort of like me saying, "Hey, um, the next Bible study we're going to have is in a graveyard. We're going to spend all night and eat burritos in a graveyard, or spend the night in the haunted house." Yes, bean burritos. Does that make a difference, Kurt? If <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's just a little like Jesus. Why, why are you doing this? So that's that's one element. But they're not just superstitious. They're not just uh, like simple people. If you're in a big city, let's say this weekend, you go to Houston or Dallas or somewhere really big, New York, and you go downtown and there's thousands of people downtown, is that a good thing or a bad thing? What, what do a lot of people mean to you? Yeah, I, say it, I, need to be else. I need to be. We're West Texas, right? We, we need we need our space. Um, but but think about it. You go to a tech game, Tim. How, how many can uh, Jones Stadiums hold now? A couple
1: hundred
0: thousand. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you're... 57. <laughs> 57. I'm, and and it, it, that's incredible, isn't it? I mean, when we're winning and when we're cheering and we're all together, I mean, it's a powerful, powerful thing. But uh, Steve and I used to live in, uh well, I lived in Lexington. He lived in Wilmore When uh, uh, in Lexington, Kentucky, when the U.K., University of Kentucky, won the basketball championship that year. And you had not 57,000, but you had thousands of people downtown. And what did they start to do? You know, they won, so they burned cars, and they tore down uh, light posts. And, it, you know, it was scary. In much of the same way... Scripture, the Hebrews, equate the water with people. Now let that that gel in your brain a little bit. The ocean, the sea, are like people. They have great potential to do incredible things, but they also can do incredibly evil things. And when we're all together, when we're, there's power, let, I don't mean to have a weird Bible study, but let me share this with you quickly. Out of the 13th chapter of Revelation, we don't go to Revelation enough. Where does the Antichrist come from? The sea. Uh, Revelation 13. And now in my vision, I saw a beast rising up. Out of the sea. It had seven heads and ten horns and ten crowns, and then, you know, we're off to the races. But it's this idea when they say sea, they mean source of evil, but they also mean people. Collectively, what we can do is either really really good or really really bad. And so when they say this antichrist arises out of humanity, it's you know in a sense he is human, he is he's satan too, but it's what humanity produces. Uh, Steve's always good about reminding us in heaven they describe God as standing above a crystal sea. That God's plan ultimately is to take humanity which is at this point full of darkness, things we can't see, violence, chaos, and eventually he'll bring humanity to the place where it's supposed to be. So it's still the sea, there's still people, but it's crystal clear. It's the way it should be. There's no waves, there's no chaos. So the disciples are getting this massive sort of download of Okay, he wants us to go back and do this test again. We're passing over the place of evil. He's preparing us for the future. You know, what we're going to face with humanity, what we're going to face with people. It's just it's just a lot. So continuing on back in 45 in Mark 7. So he sent him back to Bethsaida. Uh, he dispatched Jesus, sent the people home. Afterwards, he went up and the hills to pray by himself. Now the hills uh, on the western shore of Galilee would be leaning towards Nazareth. So this is, I think, a little bit of a touch of home for him. But we'll see Jesus do this regularly you ever have to tell people, you make me tired. You make me really tired. He He is God. Um, he is going to pr- prove that to us in just a second. But also, He needs to rest sometimes. One of the, the biggest things I think we overlook in how God works is the idea that God works really hard and then He rests. Not because he needs a rest, but because in Hebrew, when you when you complete a work, it's not, I would say this, it's not done. Like, you've worked really hard in the project, and you need to stand out in the front yard with a beer and tell your buddy how good it is. That's what the Hebrew Sabbath is really about. It's this, this victory lap where you're like, look at this. Really reflect on what you've done. So you'll see Jesus do this a lot. Um, that he's done this great work, and now he's Sabbathing. He's he's resting.
1: Sure. Yeah. The map shows multiplication of the loaves and fishes in Bethsaida. Where did the feeding of five thousand actually occur?
0: I think it's over at Magdala. It's on the western western shore. Yeah. The gospels don't agree on this. So, it's a great question. During the night, back in forty-seven, during the night, the disciples were in their boat out in the middle of the lake. So this is when it's deepest. This is when it's hardest. This is when the you know the 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 boogeyman is going to come up. It's the middle of the night, um, and Jesus was alone on the land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. At about three o'clock in the morning. So, <laughs> uh, you ever heard of the hour of the wolf? You know, when you're nervous about something and you, you can't sleep anymore, it just wakes you up. I think it's a different hour for everybody, but it's, it's three o'clock. You know, it's, it's past when you could probably go back to bed. It's, it's the crisis moment. So the disciples are, again are having this lesson. Uh, We're not great fishermen. We can't handle the evil of the water. And the truth is, we probably won't be able to handle the evil of people either. I mean, do you ever feel that way? Just in dealing with work, life, family. You're just, you're giving it everything you got. You're in the boat. You're trying. You're rowing. You're doing what Jesus said. You're in the place that He said. But let's be honest people are cockroaches. We really are. We make horrible messes. You you guys think you had a good time being locked in the house for three days. Um, My wife continued to go through her cases. She has grand jury. And, you know, I try to be a loving husband. What are you working on, honey? Oh, a burn body? Uh, Some guy killed his wife um, late last year. And decided to just burn her body. Who does that? You know how hard that is? She gave me a long explanation of how hard it is really to burn a body. It's very messy. But this is what God's talking about. Out of the ocean crawls nasty stuff. Out of our souls comes just vile. And if anything... Peter and the rest of the disciples, they're gonna face the worst of the Roman world, the worst of the Gentile world, not even the best of their own people, but it's hard, it's a mess, it's, you just, you wanna give up. Everything is working against you. It's dark, I can't see, I'm in a bad place, the wind is blowing against me, you know, I got these other idiots that I'm the good fisherman and they're morons, they can't do it. And where is Jesus? He's taking a nap! He's not even with us this time. He knew how hard this was last time. And he just took us across the river to see a crazy man. I don't know what all that was about, Jesus. And now he's done it to us again. God is not with me. I'm swimming upstream. It's not working. What is the point of all of this? And now you're gonna get it. Jesus is going to lay it out, this lesson for them, that I don't think they'll ever forget. So again, hold on to the themes here that we're overcoming evil here in the river. In a sense, we're, we're dealing with the ugly of humanity. And then in the darkest, darkest time here, 3 o'clock, when they're really having a hard time, He came to them walking on the water. What does that mean when Jesus says, or that says, that He is the one above the water? He's walking above it. Above sin and evil. Right. He's above the sin and evil. He is. He is absolutely God. Uh, there is no wiggle room. Uh, this is the image that comes from several places in the Old Testament, certainly in Revelation, uh, that God is the one that stands above the crystal sea. And even though Jesus was not with them, he's going to tell them in short order, I'm with you. I would not have sent you out here to do this if it was going to overcome you. I'm sending you out to do these things to teach you what you can do. And you're not alone. I am the master of all of this. I can calm the chaos. I can take this crazy thing called humanity and bring something good with it. Bring, bring something righteousness. And so on the surface, it may seem like, eh, yeah, what, what a, what a puny little miracle. But for them and their thinking, what the water meant, what the depths meant, this, this was everything. You know, and I I love it. On the one hand, Jesus rests because he's human. On the one hand, he absolutely proclaims himself 100% God. Uh, Let me show you two scriptures. There's a bunch of them in the Old Testament we tend to overlook. Uh, The first is Job. Uh, talking about God, He alone has spread out the heavens and marches on the waves of the sea. Uh, So it's laying out, God is the only one that does this stuff. Uh, There's another one in the Psalms. Your road has led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. So they're holding on to this idea that God alone is the one that can Not only stand above the waters, but bring something good from humanity. In the depths of my heart, I know this is preparing the disciples for what is to come. I mean, every one of them except for John is going to face execution at the hands of the Romans. They're going to be beat and spit at, attacked, pushed, questioned, lose family. It, the, the price they will pay to share the gospel is incredible. But they can do it. And they can do it because Jesus is there.
1: Is it fair to say that it was a pretty big step of faith for the disciples to even sail off as they were instructed?
0: Yes. And I think it's from the first time they did it, right? Alright, we, we know the drill. He, he's gonna, he's gonna come. But this, you know, it's like teaching your kid to swim. First you're in the pool and then you're out of the pool. So he was out. But will we get in the boat and go across the lake ourselves? I mean, it's a
1: leap
0: of faith. it is a leap of faith. Yes, sir no just there there's somewhere you know the the deep part um between the west uh which we'll come back to in just a second and bethesda but um heck we're going to start going to israel so we can find it we'll get a motorboat out there it's it's not big i mean i'm telling you um uh, we 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 get out there um but he's he's coming a a ways i mean it's not just a little skip from the shore it's a mile or two i mean he's he's getting out there so you wouldn't you know he's not skipping on rocks or any cheating you know like that it's like how'd you get out of here how'd you do that so all right well let's let's go a little bit more um forty nine but when they saw him walking on the water, they screamed in terror <laughs> okay um, tr- try to keep it together, you know, have a little dignity. <laughs> I-, I would translate that as scream like a girl. <coughs> you know they've they've absolutely had it um they're in the graveyard right it's it's late at night they see this figure coming they they don't know it's jesus they don't know what it is but they know they shouldn't be there all this depth and evil and and then there it is so man the bible is honest you know people say well it's just made up by the disciples okay if you're making this story up about yourself, you don't have yourself screaming like a girl. You know, it's, yes, I welcome you, Jesus, to this boat. I, my, you know, that's a crap you put in for yourself. But you don't say, I scream like a girl. Um, so ghosts, spirits, you know, all of that. Uh, Hebrews have a really defined sense. Uh, a spirit without a body is not something you want to mess with. And... Hopefully we all know that, right? Uh, a demon is a, a being without physical form, and it's very dangerous to us. If there is a human uh, that is only soul, that means for some reason, God has decided not to put it back in a body, a judgment, in which case it's damned. So in either case, you stay away from these things uh, they are They are very evil. Yes
1: i don't, i you right there. Right there in it said he intended to go past them, but I remember when you talked about God revealing himself to Moses by going past Moses, so Moses basically saw the clue of his shadow.
0: No, that's very good, Yep. Yeah. That's exactly what's going on. Um, he's treating this more as a revelation of God's appearance. So, yeah, let, let's, let's get into it. Uh, they're all terrified when they saw him. Um, but Jesus spoke to them. It's all right, he said. I am here. Don't be afraid. And then he climbed into the boat, and the wind stopped. They were astonished at what they saw. They didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the multiple loaves, for their hearts were hard and they did not believe. So it's a a lot they're unpacking. This is in a real sense that God is going before them, even though they never saw Him uh, there so it 's this this assurance that I am with you, even when you don 't see me, because the disciples right they 're going to get into a position when Jesus goes to heaven that he 's still calling them to do things, but he 's not physically there with them, and this is sort of where I get my idea that god doesn 't raise puppies um, that he uh, doesn 't always okay. You know, go, uh, go, you know, fetch the ball, and then we come back, and he gives us a treat and pats us on the head. Um, go get the ball, and he gives us a treat. That's what we want, so that there's this constant reaffirmation. We're just puppies. What he tries to do is say, "Hey, you know to get the ball. Don't half me tell you get the ball. Go get the ball." And so he's trying to grow us up. He's trying to do that with them, that you will learn to listen to my voice in your soul. In essence, your conscience will develop so that you can make the right choice without me having to constantly tell you, pick up your room, brush your teeth. I mean, he's he's trying to raise them, Um, but this is this is a tough way. um, He assures him it's all right. I am here in this in this uh, really theophany, an appearance of God, and they get to the boat with him, which. I would just love to see that picture, you know, just stepping off the water and and getting into the boat. Um, you see what I mean? There, there's nobody quite like Jesus. I mean, who on the one hand can pull off this miracle and then just get in the boat with you? Say it's 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 fine, guys. It really it really is fine. The wind and the—you the, the, guys know—it the, stops. I mean, so they're they're back into this place. In a sense, I think they see the reality that all of this is beneath God's feet. All of this is within God's control. And then we get this little tagline that all of this has been tied to the fishes and the loaves. That they had not understood that. Because their hearts were hard. It's not where we expected that to go. What do you think they misunderstood about the loaves?
1: Metaphor?
0: Metaphor? Yeah, it was a metaphor, but it was a metaphor for what? (laughs)
1: Uh, The Word of God feeding you instead of lying on material things.
0: No, and I think you're both circling around it really really well. I mean, God's going to give you bread. He's going to give you your life. Um, but you've got to live it. Um, again, it's that puppy thing. He didn't come back the next day and open up a food kitchen. He didn't feed them the next day, the 5,000. He gave this this example that God will provide the life. But sometimes that life is you getting in a boat at dark and sailing across the, the lake so that you, you strengthen yourself.
1: So he told them, feed, right? Right. So did they have the ability to do this at this point? Did they have the ability to calm the waves themselves and just didn't realize it?
0: Yes. That's why I think he keeps separating himself. You know, first he's there with them. It's 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 okay kids, you know, I'm holding you um on your bike and then he puts the training wheels on and I let go and see you can do it and then he's going to pull the training wheels. You know, his whole ministry, he's doing this, more of them, less of you. And uh that's that's really good discipleship. Um, where Jesus is not just saying, "Hey, look what I can do." But he's he's raising it up in us. And and, and please understand, that's the point of life. God trying to raise us in a way that we can make the good choices. We we can do these things. Yes, we rely on him. Yes, we need him. Truth of the matter is if he ever really backed out completely, we'd we'd be dead. But we're not worthless. We're we're not Responsible. We, we have parts in this that, that we need to play as well. Yes.
1: i have looked at that last verse as with a confused eye. That, that he says they were hard. The hearts were hardened. Of course, we know that means they didn't understand it. Right. Right. He didn't comprehend it. But. I, for a long time, I was confused whether he meant the two events or whether the event on the sea was because they didn't understand the lows, Therefore, he immediately gave them another test,
0: and they didn't pass that. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, there's there's passing the test and there's some, there's taking the test. So, yeah, they, they were out in it. So I, I give them. My, my implies jealousy. Really implies jealousy on the other part of who? It says
1: that perhaps implying jealousy.
0: Huh. That's interesting. I wonder who they're jealous of. That they didn't Yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah a lot of guys and everything else is
0: we know there is bad blood between them you know they'll fight and feud you know do you think they just shivered every time jesus said hey get the, get in the boat they're like oh my gosh what's, what's he going to do to us now every time we get in this boat it's it's like it's a disaster he, he likes this teaching on the lake um, we should do a sermon series uh, water skiing with jesus you know all all the lessons that he taught us on the lake um, be fun yeah, so this this gets deep, 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 deep um, and I'm, I was going to do it today with healing scorpions, but we 'll probably run out of time so uh, the Bible comes from a different world the bible doesn 't come from its own world it it, it wasn 't just a you know, hermetically sealed, that there was just the biblical world. Just like we live in a world today where, you know, we're exposed to all sorts of craziness. Did you see, by the way, Totally Chasing Rabbits, that thing from Disney about um, that new cartoon they have uh, where America needs to pay reparations for slavery? Talk about just insanity. Um, anyway, sorry for that. Just popping my head, but... There's always crazy stuff that enters into the world. So in order a lot of times I think really to get a handle on Scripture, you have to appreciate where the whole world is and then how Scripture is different from that. So this hardening of the heart goes back to Exodus. Moses and dealing with Pharaoh. And you guys probably know when Pharaoh's heart is hardened, he does it half of the time and the half of the time that God does it. So in English, when we say uh, God hardened Pharaoh's heart, it sure sounds like God made Pharaoh do something bad. But what we don't get is the context of uh, Egyptians in the afterlife believed that their heart, their ib, was weighed before the gods. And so you have, I did bring one today, but all these depictions of the Egyptian afterlife where the feather of truth is weighed against your heart. And the Egyptians believed that if you had sin in your heart, that it would be heavy. And so it would be heavier than truth. And so you would be weighed down and you'd be condemned. Interestingly enough. No Egyptian depiction of the weighing of the heart do we ever have. Does this happen? Uh, always, it's always good. You always manage to get your way through it. But the way that a person was condemned in Egyptian was to say their heart was hard, the heart was heavy, the heart was stone. And so when that shows up in Exodus, um, it's, it's their way of saying that God is judging Pharaoh. Pharaoh, who is seen as a god, is uh, facing the consequences of his choices; that he is he is weighed down by his own sin. So it has this weird Egyptian beginning. It entered into Exodus, and then you see it still here, uh, centuries later in um, in Greek. Now that's um, um, a weighing of the heart. It really is this recognition that I've done something bad, and God is showing me the consequence of that. So, sorry, that's a long-winded way to do that. All right, let me try to push on just a little bit if I can. So if this wasn't weird enough, now we go to 53. When they arrived at Gennesaret, on the other side of the lake, they anchored the boat. So something happened. Either they turned around, they didn't go to Beseda where they went the next day, but they go back across again. So they're way over here in Gennesaret. Can you sort of see the green around it? Gennesaret is really unusual for the Sea of Galilee because it has this flat area around it. There's what limited agriculture there is at the Sea of Galilee is right there. It's pretty much it. Um. Kevin, we have a, just a real quick video of it. I mean, this is all small spaces. Please understand. This is not, this is not. So, I mean, this is literally where they went. I mean, that's that's it. Now, I say it's agriculture, but they built all this. Um, but see how big the lake is? I mean, that's the other side over there. This is not, this is not the Atlantic Ocean. Um, there's no Chinese balloons floating um, over it. Um, so, but I think this is the hidden gem of of Israel. If you ever have a chance, go up to Galilee. Man, Galilee is great. There's no terrorists. It's not dirty. There's water. It's uh, it's it's fun. So Jesus takes him back to the western side. And it's somewhat loaded because they fed the five thousand, so people are really, really excited. Now we talk about the disciples having their hearts hearted, um, their heart, their hearts hearted, but the people do too. They're in the middle of a war. People just gave out food in the middle of a war. That's going to get their attention. And so they're going to be eager for the next thing that can be provided for them. And I think Jesus knows this intentionally. Uh, the people standing there recognized him at once, and they, beg- they began to run throughout the whole area and began carrying sick people uh, to him on mats wherever he went in villages and cities out of the farms they laid the sick in markets and plazas the sick began uh, the sick begged him to let them at least touch the fringes of his robes all who touched him were healed the first thing you're supposed to see is the connection between the sea and this mass of humanity So here it is, this massive group of people that's come again. They've come with sickness and disease, and Jesus is in the middle of it. And there is this sort of pregnant pause of, okay, disciples, we were in the lake, and you were facing all of this, and really that was just a a practice. The sea that you're really going to face is right here and right now. What are you going to do in the face of all of this? Of all of this sickness?
1: There is certain significance
0: that the disciples don't recognize Jesus.
1: See humanity in the resurrection. Say that. I'm sorry. So when Jesus, when the disciples are in the boat, they don't recognize him. Right. Right. But here it makes
0: the point of saying people recognize people. Oh, that's a good point. No, no, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. You know, the the, the people knew who did the miracle, uh, in, in the sense of who gave out the food, and so they're they're ready for this super rabbi, maybe Messiah. Um, but the disciples were scared out of their gourds.
1: There's other times they don't recognize Jesus.
0: Yeah, for for
1: sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> grab the rope, grab the deal, get this, move off the cooler, get out of here, get out of that. You're yeah, right? give me a beer. We're really mad each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we mad each other,
0: right? yeah. And it's dark and they're scared and You know, you're in the haunted house and you expect something.
1: Um, I thought it was a a, a lesson, another lesson for the disciples that they didn't, they had hardened their hearts, as it says in Mark, about the loaves of bread, not understanding how that had happened, and yet the people understood it was a miracle and the people are coming now seeking more of for those miracles so why can't he get that message across to the 12 you know why can't you see what the people see
0: yeah but I don't want to give too much credit to the people they just want stuff. Yeah, and that's that's right. And so Jesus is really investing his teaching in the disciples about, okay, guys, this isn't just a an economic pass out. I'm not just here to heal the whole world. I mean, I am here to heal the whole world, but that's lifting you up, not just giving you so you stay where you're at. And that that is a big, big difference between the gospel and just toxic charity. That, that sometimes people want God to do. And
1: then you want to applying Joseph, it's referred back over here to 2 through 6, where they say, well, he's not there than we are. We know him. You know, you know the family. And that's when Jesus uh the property is on every place, it's on hometown."
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, people are, are looking. From Nazareth, we're looking down on him.
1: Virginia, like boy, we know
0: already, you know. Yeah, poor guy couldn't get a break. But it's
1: supposed to be
0: easy. Well, and it's not supposed to be easy for us. So we've had all this weird conversation about waters and boats and goats and, and not goats but ghosts, and and, and then we're going to go out into our life today. And so Jesus will ask the same question that He asked the disciples. Do you know I'm here? Do you know what you're doing? You're, you're still in the boat. You're still, in a sense, surrounded by the mass of humanity that needs something. So what are you going to do about it? Are you going to be like me? And really work towards a place where they can be lifted up and be the person God wants them to be. Or are you going to ignore it? Are you going to stay away from it? Or are you just going to try to deal with the symptoms? Or are you going to get tired of it? Or you're just going to get freaked out because it's dark and hard? What 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 are you What are we going to do? I mean, his lesson is not putting you in a boat, but sending you to work or wherever you end up today. What are you going to do? What am I going to do? This stuff does not stop. The chaos of humanity hasn't slowed down one iota, I do not think. And how we're going to be disciples, be representatives of Christ, are we going to be the one that recognizes that He is there? Or are we going to ignore it? All right, any other questions? Don't get in the boat with Jesus. Okay, well don't get in the boat without him. Go, go, okay. Maybe both. Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, he, he's really showing them that this is an appearance of God. This is not just me hanging out with you guys. This is, the, it's a reference to the Moses thing, that Moses goes before, or God goes before Moses, and that's how Moses is able to see God. They, uh, Jesus is leading them where they need to go, and what you need to do is follow. But we reverse that a lot of times and think, Jesus has to come where I am. He did do that because he loves them. But the point was that you follow me into darkness, into scary places. Yeah. All right, let's pray. Gracious Lord, we've been taught. We've been educated. We are not those that did not know. We know you are still with us, still asking us to go to the places that scare us, that push us, Help us today to at least get in the boat to row with the best of our strength to do the best that we can to see the world as it really is and to have our eyes open because we know You're here. You're really here with us. And are anxious to see what we'll choose to do in Your name. Help us to be found faithful. In Your Son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.